you're glad for hope, let me hear your hands this morning. I want to take just a minute and talk to you about a couple of things. Uh, you'll find these cards around. These are called invite cards. And what we do with invite cards is we use them to invite. Okay? So take some with you, put some in your car, in your purse, tuck them in your belt, you know, wear them as a necklace around your neck with a hole in it so you can, I don't care what you do with them. Just give it to someone. Resurrection Sunday is coming. It's a great opportunity for you to bring a guest and let them hear about the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Second, um, just want to encourage you that if you're new this morning or have not yet connected with us, we would love to connect with you. And the way that we do that is there's a card in the chair pocket in front of you that you can fill out, give us your contact info, drop it in the box on your way out, and we'd like to reach out to you and give you an opportunity to select a charity from a list that will give $5 in your name if you'll let us connect with you and let you know what's happening here. Someone asked me about water baptism. We have a service coming up soon, and if you've not yet connected with us, we wouldn't know of your desire. So you can take one of those cards, put your contact info, and say, I want to be baptized, and we'll follow up with you as soon as we can. Please use those, and thank you for your faithful giving. You can do that online. You can do it um, in the mail. You can do it here in person, but appreciate your generosity. One last thing that I need to say this morning before I get into the message is we try to have communion on the first Sunday of the month, and how have you noticed there's no communion set out? Yes, a few of you did that watched the calendar. Why is that? Well, I could make up some funny story, but the truth is better than any story I could make up. It's crazy. Communion supplies are on back order. In 40 years, that's never happened. I've never seen that happen. Communion supplies are on back order. We will have them for Good Friday. We're going to have a worship time from 6 to 7 on Good Friday here at the church. Come be a part of that. But I'm going to preach a message titled, The Blood of Jesus is Never on Back Order. Oh. That'll preach. That'll preach. So you may not have the cup, but his blood is just as real today as it ever was, still setting captives free, and that's why we're together as a church. We talked about our value statements at the start, why we exist, uh, what do we build ministry on, and we've been unpacking our mission statement. Felt like it was important for us to reconnect in what God's called us to do in this city. We don't, I don't believe that God just wants random churches planted around, but when he plants a church, that church has a purpose. And we believe that God planted Berean Church to extend hope and wholeness to broken humanity. We started off with that really uplifting message on broken humanity that people were done with before I was. We talked about broken, what that looks like, the broken world we're in, and it's our job to extend that, not just simply put out a smorgasbord, but to, with force and passion pursuit, extend, reaching out to the world around us. So what are we offering? Well, the first thing is we are offering hope. We're offering hope. The world is broken, and we need to extend hope. I came across a website in preparing for the message called the Hope Quotient that I found really pretty interesting. And I want to share with you some thoughts from this idea of hope and the value of hope. This particular uh, website said, when spouses lose hope, they give up on their marriage. When parents lose hope, 
they give up on their teens. When leaders lose hope, they give up on their people. Healthy emotions like contentment and peace are replaced with toxic emotions of confusion, shame, and worry and disappointment. In short, it is impossible to be psychologically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually healthy when we're gripped by discouragement. Howard Hendricks talks about the lack of hope this way. Discouragement is the anesthetic the devil uses on a person just before he reaches in and carves out their heart. When people lose hope, they lose their ability to dream for the future. Despair replaces joy. Fear replaces faith. Anxiety replaces prayer. Insecurity replaces confidence. And tomorrow's dreams are replaced by nightmares. It's a lousy way to live. I appreciated the weekend that we just had Friday and Saturday with our, our elementary age and primary age out at the campground for a retreat together. And Pastor Matthew was one of the speakers. Give it up for Pastor Matthew. He's doing a great job. And had a time of prayer with the kids. How many believe that students, children can learn to hear the voice of God? I believe that. So we had a prayer time with them and had the students write down what they heard God speaking to them. And one young boy wrote this. He said, felt that God said to him, you will always have fear. But if you will listen to me, I can help. Think about a generation that young that are marked by anxiety, that are marked by the level of fear that this generation is facing, that scripture prophesies in the last days, fear and anxiety will mark that generation, men's hearts failing them for fear. A leading psychologist said he built his career around working with deeply troubled married couples who had been in damaging relationships for decades. He enjoyed remarkable success in getting these warring spouses to turn the corner toward health. And they said, how have you had such an amazing, remarkable success? And he said, I try to get 10% improvement. When couples get that 10% improvement, they get hope. And when someone gets hope, Anything is possible. The Messiah is described in scripture as the hope of Israel. The Bible tells us that we serve the God of all hope. And we're told that people separated without God live without hope, which becomes hopelessness and depression. As I was, as I was reading uh, about hope, I came across a phrase that never really struck me before. And I know, I know that it's, um, it's almost Easter time. It's the Lenten season. But I got inspired by a Christmas song. Is that okay? So, so if you only come on Christmas and Easter, you get them both today. Oh, that didn't go over very big, did it? Oh, holy night. There's a phrase in there. How many like that song? Oh, holy night. It's a powerful, powerful song. And oh, holy night has a phrase in there that I've never really thought of before. That little phrase that says, a thrill of hope. 
The weary world rejoices. Think about that. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. I did a little research into the background of the song because it's so powerful. And I thought this probably came by one of the great revivalists of the 1800s who fasted and prayed and sought God. And that's not at all how it happened. You want to hear the story? Thank you, because I'm going to share it. <laughs> a priest in a small French community had just had their organ refurbished in time for Easter, which was a big deal. And he wanted to celebrate that with the community. And he wanted a new song to sing. So he approached a man who was known as a poet. A man who had had his share of trouble. When he was 11 years old, he was in a, 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 a shooting accident that, that blew off his right hand and had to have it completely removed. And had known pain and sorrow. And he wasn't known as a churchman. In fact, he was branded as an atheist because he spoke out so much against the Catholic Church in France and the politics of that and refused to engage in a number of things where it happened. He was also called a socialist because he made public stands against the institution of slavery. So the world around him identified him as an atheistic socialist. But the priest went to him and said, I want you to write a poem that I can use to celebrate the refurbishing of the organ. And he says that he was honored to be asked to do the job. So he's on a train going from his small town to Paris for a business, whew, I'm getting blessed, for a business meeting. And on the way, he thought, I'm going to read Luke chapter 2 and try to insert myself into the story. And imagine how they must have felt. A man who was branded an atheist and a socialist because he took stands against the church of his day and their excesses is trying to insert himself into the story of Luke. And as he insert himself in, he writes, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. That does not sound like an atheist to me. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night divine. Oh, night divine. By a man who inserted himself into the story of the incarnation. And we're celebrating not only the incarnation, but his death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm absolutely convinced that if we can get men, women, boys, and girls to enter into the gospel story, that a world of darkness and pain and sorrow will have a moment of divine revelation and cry out, oh, holy night, the Savior is come. Why are we here? To extend that hope to a world that lives in darkness, to extend that hope to a world that's broken, to extend hope to a world who has lost any sense of hope and live in despair. Well, yes, what is hope? 
Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's a spiritual thrill. (laughs) A thrill of hope. Biblical hope is not a mere desire for something better, and we use it that way in a way that doesn't have any power. I hope it doesn't rain on our picnic. I hope I get a job. I hope that coworker gets fired. I hope my kids will straighten up. That kind of hope is simply wishing for something better in the future. And the Bible definition or teaching on hope is much more than that. It is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope is a sure foundation upon which we base our lives, believing that God always keeps his promises. Here's what hope really is. It's what you hold on to between the promise and the possession. It's what keeps you going between when God said what he would do and you see it come to pass. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 15 verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the message this world needs. That's what we're extending to them. In darkness and pain and suffering, we're not extending to them a list of do's and don'ts. Listen to me, we're not extending to them a political platform. We're not extending to them a plan of reformation. We're extending to people who have no hope for the future, no real, lasting, legitimate hope. We're saying to them, we have an answer for you. We are, we are extending to you hope that only comes from God. And I want you to see this morning just how important that hope is. Do you know the Bible tells us that this hope will protect your mind? Hope will protect your mind. But since we belong to the day, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and hope as a breastplate. Faith and love as a breastplate. <clears throat> and the hope of salvation as a helmet. How many of you know that most spiritual battles take place in your mind? People talk about physical battles or spiritual battles and we try to, it happens in your mind. You begin to think things that aren't true. You begin to have fears and worries and despairs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Battles take place in the mind. It's the battleground of, of your spiritual life where you're taunted and tempted and attacked and that warfare goes on. How many of you ever awakened in the middle of the night uh, worrying about something that never happened? I remember when I was in high school, we were living in a difficult situation up on a hill. I was in a bedroom on the main floor by the front door and I heard someone in the kitchen. And I thought, my dad was gone, they had divorced, I had to protect our home. I was absolutely sure someone was in there. In fact, I saw them move across the doorway to the other side of the wall, I saw them move across. So I'm along the wall and I'm watching that doorway, waiting for a light to come on. And I sneak up to the wall on the other side of that doorway where I know they're standing. And I jump and yell and come around and I smack that person as hard as I can. Only nobody was there and I almost broke my hand. (laughs) There was nobody there. But my brain told me something that wasn't true that responded in my action that was foolish are you understanding now what I'm talking about the battle in the mind 
You begin to believe something that isn't true. You begin to let doubts and despair pile up on you. How are you going to protect yourself? The Bible says that hope is your helmet. If you have hope in Jesus, you can put that as a helmet on your head because we have a promise and we're waiting for the possession. We know that he is with us, that he walks with us. There are promises in salvation that we need to own and hold to. First Thessalonians calls it the hope of salvation. Ephesians calls it our salvation. Let the salvation promises of God garrison your mind. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. He walks with us. He is by our side. And when you are afraid, if you will listen to him, he can help. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. Here's what I know. I have a helmet that says my sins have been forgiven. I have a helmet that says Jesus is with me to the very end of the age. And whatever I go through, I'm going to put on that helmet because it will protect me from the onslaught of my mind if I'll let my mind rest in the hope that Jesus provides as my Savior. Second, hope will stabilize your soul. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And the context for that in Hebrews 6, 19 is the story of Abraham. And you know the story of Abraham. Abraham had a promise from God that his descendants would be like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. But his wife and himself are well past childbearing years. From the time of the promise to the possession, how many of you think that that might have been a bit of an unstable ride? Worry, wondering, did God really say, is it going to happen? It can't happen. It's not going to come to pass. But the Bible says that he waited patiently. He could have thought a lot of things, emotions all over the spectrum, but he did not have to because God did something unique for him. Now watch this. The Bible tells us that God swore by himself to Abraham so that Abraham would not doubt. What does that even mean? By two immutable things that cannot be changed, God gave Abraham a promise. First, the oath or declaration of God endures forever. The promise of God cannot be broken. And second, he swore by himself because God cannot lie. Here's what God wanted for Abraham. God wanted Abraham to know that the promises of God depended upon Abraham. I mean, depended upon God, not on Abraham. That he didn't have to work it up or rely on it. That when God said it, his character and his word were inviolate. That they could not be destroyed or contradicted. God is not a man that he should lie. And he is, he is eternal. He cannot deny himself. And when you put those together, Abraham had hope that the God who does not change, that the word of God that does not lie cannot be contradicted. His emotions were stabilized. Why? Because he had hope between the promise and the possession that God would do what he declared. Is there anyone in the house this morning that he would perform it? What is your anchor in the storm? You can look at the wind and the waves. You can look at your job. You can look at your kids. You can look 
look at the culture, you can look at everything that's around you, and we're still trying to be tormented by ads on television of all the things that are coming, and we're all going to die. But I'm telling you, I've got a promise, and that promise guarantees a possession. And between those two, I'm going to trust in what the God who cannot change and the word that he has declared has promised me. I'm going to hold to that ground. That's right. That'd be a good place to express praise. It will stabilize you. His promises are true. (laughs) I just don't know what I'm going to do. I do. Reclaim your hope. (laughs) Get on your helmet and throw out your anchor. Come on, is there anyone in the house this morning? You don't have to ride the wild waves of emotion like an ungodly roller coaster that'll make you sick. You can be stabilized by an anchor. Roller coasters aren't ungodly. My wife loves them. I'm just saying. For people who have motion sickness, they're ungodly. Is there anyone in the house? Can I get an amen? All right. I didn't want to have to live with that this afternoon. I'm going to correct that. You don't have to ride those waves. Your emotions do not have to dictate your life. You have a helmet that protects your thoughts and you have an anchor that will hold you stable through the storms of life. It's hope in him that what he has said he will bring to pass. It will protect your mind. It will stabilize your soul. Third, it will renew your strength. Be of good courage, Psalm 31, 24 And he will strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. (laughs) Um, Anyone ever get discouraged? Anyone ever get tired? Have you ever asked yourself, how long, oh Lord, do I have to go through this? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I listen in the lobby. I read Facebook. <laughs> How long do I have to put up with this? How long will this trial be? And just feeling like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And we all hit those walls, don't we? Anybody in the house? We all hit those walls, don't we? It hit me the other day when it dawned on me. I'm basically managing three churches, trying to revitalize the camp, do everything that's involved here. And I sat in my office and I just said to myself, I can't do this. And God said, thank you. It's about time you recognize that. Because nothing is going to happen until he does it. I don't have to... (laughs) I don't have to create the water source. I just need to be the pipeline. And if he doesn't turn on the water, taint my fault. Hello? 
There are moments where it'll be overwhelming. You'll look at what your family's going through. How long? How long? How, how long? Oh, Lord, what will renew your strength? Get your eyes off you. Get your eyes off the problem. And when you begin to see again your hope in the Lord, my hope isn't in what I can do. My hope isn't what I can produce. My hope isn't in my challenges. My hope is in the Lord, that he will come through, that he will bring it to pass, that he can be trusted, that he can be counted on, because that is what hope is. It's hope in the Lord that he will defend you. Hope isn't in what you desire to receive. Hope isn't in what you plan to achieve. Hope is that the Lord will be faithful. He will strengthen your heart. There's much in life that will make you weary. <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand some of you. You're too tired to even raise your hand this morning. <laughs> what does the Bible say? Come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. When you're worn out, it's because your hope's in the wrong place. Hello? I keep going back to what little Kinley Johnson said. Sometimes when I cry, the Lord, I just love that, talks to me. What does he say, Kinley? He says, why are you sad? Why are you crying? Come to me. Get your hope in the right place. Understand it as renewing your strength. And I, I know, listen, I love to have breaks. I love to have a, a vacation day. I love to have vacation time. I love to do fun things. I love to hunt. I love to ride my motorcycle. I love to, a bunch of things that I like to do that I enjoy doing. But I'll tell you in a moment, in his presence, I can move from an empty tank to fullness of joy because hope in him brings new strength. Is there anyone in the house right now? Somebody needs to hear that right at this moment. You are worn out and you can't go another step and it's because you've lost hope. What you need to do is get your hope back in the Lord. He can be trusted. You can depend on him. He will bring to pass what he has declared. I trust in you, Lord. And what was the context in Psalm 31? He said, when there's terror on every side. If you're going to be a conqueror, there has to be something to conquer. If you're going to be an overcomer, there has to be something to overcome. David was in the middle of the fight and he was exhausted with all the stuff that was coming at him. And I'll tell you, there isn't anything that will wear you out more than people will. Aren't they, aren't they a problem? Just wear you out. But David said, my hope isn't in my army. My hope isn't in my nation. My hope is in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. And when you recognize that and see that again, the energy, the life source, the strength wells back up. When you're in that place of discouragement, stop and ask yourself, 
In, in whom or in what am I trusting? What has depleted my energy? What is causing the resources to be left from me? Maybe I'm owning what isn't mine and I need to put my hope back in the one who is in control. It'll renew your strength. Fourth, what will hope do? Hope will define your future. <laughs> Colossians chapter one, verse five. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. Think about this for a moment. Faith and love spring from hope. You cannot maintain faith without hope. You cannot maintain love without hope. Why is that? Because your faith has no value if there isn't hope for a better outcome. And that hope and trust in a better outcome is what feeds your faith. And love will fail without hope. Now, come on. How many of you have had a bad day with your kids? I don't know why I'm here, because the rest of you have everything under control. We're just, it's just perfect. Let's rewind the tape and try it again. What? How many of you have had a bad day with your kids? And in that bad day with your kids, how many of you have hoped it would get better? You can make it to tomorrow because you hope to get through today. Hello? How many of you have ever had a bad day with your spouse? How many of you have ever had a bad day with your spouse? And how many of you hope it'll get better? Some of you have given up already. This message is for you. You need hope that it will get better. Hope that it will get better. He's saying that faith and hope spring from love that is stored up for you in heaven that you've already heard about the word of truth. So where is our hope? Here's what you've got to grab hold of. Our hope is in heaven. Think about that for a moment. We lose hope when we have a short view of life. Hello? When all we see is this life. But this isn't all there is. The day our son died was a day of abject hopelessness, if that's all there was. But that ain't all there is. There is a grand reunion resurrection day coming. Come on, someone help me now. You have to take a longer view of life. You have to see it as more than right now in the moment. You have to see it beyond the shortness of this human experience and put your hope in heaven. 
Abraham made it because he was looking for a city. He took a long view of life. And we lose our sense of hope when it doesn't focus on our final destination. This isn't all there is. I'm headed for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. My hope is in heaven secure. Hope takes a long view. It settles your future. I know where I'm going. I know where my eternal future is. I know that my future view is on the end goal, not on the momentary experience. It'll define your future. If you live for today, you'll make foolish mistakes. If you live for the future, you'll make eternal choices. And last, hope will fulfill your faith. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And when it says disappoint, it doesn't mean disappoint like, oh, I'm sad. It means to bring to shame or to disgrace. And he's saying in your time of trouble, you will not be put to shame. Hope will not fail you. You will not be left in disgrace when you put your hope in God. Everything else has potential to disappoint. I have potential to disappoint my wife. Your spouse has potential to disappoint you. Your children, your church, your leaders, your boss, your neighbor, your salary, all has a potential to disappoint. Other promises fail. Other plans fall short, and you will be embarrassed if you trust in the wrong things. But when your hope is in the Lord, he will not leave you to shame. Why are we here? We are here to extend hope. Hello? We are here to extend hope. The um, Hope Quotient article said this. Picture for a moment. Picture what happens when a person of genuine hope comes into your life. Think about what happens when a human of hope comes into your life. Picture what happens when you, as a person of hope, step into the life of someone who is living without hope. In a flash, the whole atmosphere changes. The impossible starts to look possible. Defeat starts to look like it could be turned into victory. Difficult things begin to look like they might actually be possible. Courage replaces fear and strength chases away powerlessness. Yes, hope is that important. That's what happened when Jesus steps into your life. And as people of hope, that same thing should happen when we step into their lives. We need to be that beacon of hope. What will it do? It will protect your mind. It will stabilize your soul. It will renew your strength. It'll define your future. And it will fulfill your faith. We need more than a hope so. We need an authentic, hope-filled lifestyle. Believing that the God of hope will fill us with joy and peace in believing so that we will abound 
in hope. Pastor Nathan, if you'd join me on the platform, let's stand together and let's take some time to let God refill our hope, that God would refill that tank. How many of you, heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Here's what I want you to consider for a moment. Here's what I want to ask. Are you in a place where you have lost hope? Are you in a place where your tank is empty? This is a place where God can fill that with no one looking around. Pastor, I need my hope tank refilled today. Would you lift your hands? Lift your hands, please. God, you see the hands that are raised all over this room. And I pray that in the next few minutes, you will restore hope. Supernaturally, get our eyes on you. I ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's worship him together. I have this hope as an anchor for my soul. Through every storm I will hold to you With endless love All my fear is swept away In everything I will trust in you There is hope in the promise of the cross You gave everything to save the world you love And this hope is an anchor for my soul Our God will stand unshakable. Oh, yes, you are unchanging one who was and is and is to come. Your promise. hope there is hope in the promise of the cross you gave everything to save the world you love and this hope is an anchor for my soul our God will stand unshakable sing it again there is hope there is hope in the promise of the cross you gave everything to save the world you love and this hope is an anchor for my soul our God will stand 
God is trying to speak to someone's heart this morning. You're facing a situation that you see as hopeless. The only way that your situation is hopeless is if God doesn't exist. As long as there is a God, there is hope. And as long as you keep your eye on the destination, there is hope. Because one day, everything will be set right. And your tank will be refilled with hope as you spend time praising him. Entering into his presence, coming before him. And let him refill that tank. And I felt like as we were singing that, and I wanted to give us a little extra worship time at the end of this message. That you were unwilling to open up because you've already decided to give up. And you can't do that if you want to see his glory revealed. So don't let your judgment rob you of his deliverance. Don't let your discouragement rob you of his joy. Get into his presence and let the God of hope, I'm, I'm not trying to re-preach my message, but the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace in believing. He can't fill you with joy and peace in doubting. Joy and peace comes in believing. And once you receive the joy and peace that comes in believing, then you will abound in hope. How many are hearing what I'm saying? You need to step out of where you are. Wherever you are, I've got good news for you. Our God is the God of hope and nothing is too hard for him. And if that's you, 
right now by faith. We're going to sing that chorus one more time. Right now by faith, I want you to reach out and grab hold of that promise. Because listen, it's more important that he fill you with hope than you get what you want. Because when he fills you with hope, it'll last you the remainder of the journey. Whoever you are, wherever you are in that hopeless situation right now, I, I need you to let go of your hopelessness and lay hold of his hope. And he will restore you. Let's sing it one more time. There is hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul, yes. Our God will stand unshakable. Sing it again. There is hope. There is hope in the promise. Sing it out. You gave. You gave. You love. And this hope. put to shame don't be afraid to trust him again amen if you love the Lord let me hear your hands this morning <laughs> Berean church exists to extend hope to a broken world I saw someone describe themselves as a merchant of hope and I get what they mean but I don't want to be a merchant <laughs> I want to extend hope to a broken world. And you have to be filled with it if you're going to share it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your kindness, your generosity, your support all through the year. God bless you. Shake someone's hand. Let them know that you love them today. Amen.